This is the St. Long Chinas' Baptism Podcast Channel. This is True Catholic Devotions for February 16, 2022. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all, uh, all that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to your service and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. Okay, so the uh, the uh, passage of Scripture I'm going to be using this devotion from is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to try to keep it as much as I can in plain English. Know also this, that in the last days there shall come dangerous times. Men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, haughty, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, wicked, without affection, without peace, slanders, incontinent, unmerciful, without kindness, traitors, stubborn, puffed up, lovers of pleasure more than God, having an appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Now, we should avoid these people. For of these sort, are those who creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins who are led away with diverse desires, ever learning and ever attaining the knowledge of the truth. And that was verse 7. So, I just want to make a clarification because of the days we live in that St. Paul said women. Now, I know that the SJWs get their panties in a knot when women are criticized. Once again, because it's scripture, we have to look at context. Anybody who's ever been married or is currently married knows that basically, when it comes to the house, and by the way, I'm not approving of this situation. It's just the situation in modern day. The woman leads and the man follows, unless the man has really strong character, in which case, you know, if she gets out of line, he'll put his foot down and say, no, I'm not doing this. But as a general rule in these days, the women lead and the men follow. In the household, that is. So, um, this is not a sexist remark. Um, and in those days, you know, well, it, it's basically human nature that weak-charactered men will basically be led about the nose by their wives because, you know... Basically, most guys without character will not stand on principle. If their wife wants to do something, they'll do it not because they want to or that they even agree. They'll do it because, you know, they don't want to get into a two hour argument over something that they consider not important. And having said that, I would say that in this day and age, this also this this description that I quote of uh, quoted in the previous passage of scripture could also be applied to weak character men. You know, um, not just to the wives, but to the husbands and the guys who are single who are of weak character. Um, I'm sure a lot of you know a lot of people in your life, male and female, who basically get carried by the currents the cultural currents and never once stop to think, well, you know, is this true? And 
Um, if it's not true, why am I doing this? Or holy, for that matter. Now, basically, I read this passage when I first became a Protestant. And I automatically recognized that even though he was, uh, he was writing a particular letter to a particular congregation, that, and, and like a lot of things in the Bible, you could tell that there is a supernatural element to it because I'm sure there are people in previous centuries who either heard or read that passage of scripture and was like, whoa, it sounds like he's describing our times. Um, so, you know, even though on the surface it looks like, oh, well, he's writing this to a particular church or about a particular situation around the time after Jesus ascended into heaven, um, you know, um, obviously you, you could go to any, any, um, any century and apply that to a particular that's why I said the the Bible is is uh, supernatural. The people that sit and deny, oh, it was written by man. It was written by man. No, no man could have nailed in such concrete terms the the present day situation. And by the way, I read this in the early two thousands. You can ramp up the situation from the early 2000s to now by a hundred because I mean, it's, it's, it's getting to ridiculous levels is getting to ridiculous. You know, at least in the early 2000s, we didn't have both sexes deluding themselves, you know, deluding themselves, uh, female saying they were male and male saying they're female. You didn't have that. You know, I mean, we had issues in the early 2000s. Don't get me wrong. And as long as we live in a human world, we're going to have those issues. But I mean, you know, if you had told my early 2000s self, oh, by the way, close to 2020, um, you'll have people saying that gender is fluid, um, you know, um, that elections would be blatantly stolen and no one would care. Um, people, you know, if you, if you told me some of the stuff that's happening right now was happening, then I would ask to smoke, uh, have a puff of the doobie you were smoking on because, you know, I would have, I would have swore up and down. You were high or on something. So, or insane, <laughs> but, um, this passage perfectly encapsulates the situation we're living on today, but that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily what this devotion is about. When I thought of this passage of scripture, um, I'm, I'm thinking about the cultural relativism. And by the way, the cultural relativism relativism um, that I'm talking about, I've covered in previous podcasts, that's a direct result of the Protestant heresy of, well, you interpret the Bible as you want and faith alone. Um, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with this. I'll just leave it at this. If you can interpret God's holy book, and if you recognize in, in, in that passage of scripture that um, he, he was indeed, he may have been writing about a particular time and subject, but it's prophetic. It literally is prophetic. And that's what God's holy book is. You know, it's, it's holy and, um, 
It wasn't written for a particular time and place. And I don't care what your Protestant or uh, uh, Vatican II biblical scholars tell you. Oh, they were written for a particular time. No, they're not. Anybody, I, you could you could take a person who's who who's never touched scripture in their entire life, you know, outside of casually, and who d- decides that they're going to serve God seriously. Who can read this passages of scripture and realize, man, this is definitely a supernatural book because it's actually predicting future times. But anyway, the whole idea of cultural relativism is that if you're if you're interpreting yourself what you think scripture means, instead of instead of using, you know the the bible as it was intended for one church under one doctrine you know then once once that barrier's broken everything's up to question you know i think it's god's divine providence that the majority of the world hasn't decided well i'm my own i'm my own authority so screw you know, screw it. I'm just going to say and do whatever I want to, when I want to, how I want to. And the chaos that would ensue from that mentality from a lot of uh, majority of people would be astronomical. But also too, um, the whole soul of faith alone. Well, once you remove faith from the equation and i'm i'm you know i'm not talking about many faiths i'm talking about one true faith one true church once you divorce and say well no i'm 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 going to follow my faith you know and if you guys don't agree with it well i'll, I'll start my own church then you open yourself up to the same um, cultural relativism that we're having right now. It's just more blatant nowadays because of the times we're living in. Anyway, there was a reason I went into that uh, diversion. Because in... In verse 5, I'm going to repeat what it says. Having an appearance indeed of godliness, but denying the power thereof, these avoid. Now, I'm not sure the exact timeline of when 2 Timothy was written, but I believe it was in, in and around 50 AD, maybe the late 40s AD. He was he he was not only was he covering our present era, he was covering he was prophesying the 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 um Protestant revolt. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. Once you on more true faith from from its underpinnings, these what I, the passage I just read from, these are the results that you're going to have. And yes, I do understand that even when the Catholic Church was whole and undivided, you still had heretics, you still had schismatics, you still had sinful people. That is not the point. The point of this passage is when we have no higher authority than ourselves and what we think we know, this is what's going to happen. This is why, you know, when people were running around griping about how, oh, society's gone down the tubes. I had no sympathy for that because it's like, it's always been bad. And it always will be bad. Until we fix our own lives, society's going to be horrible. But the reason I'm I'm... Focusing in on verse 5 is, 
is that you have, and by the way, when I say this, this, you know, I'm not talking about any particular person. These are generalities. They're not, you know, they're not aimed at anyone in particular. Okay. It's it's sad that after doing this podcast for almost four months, I have to repeat myself like a robot, but apparently I have to. But by the way, I've known people, Protestants and Vatican II types, who um they have the appearance of piety. I I and when I say the appearance, I'm not saying that they're purposely they're grifters and they're trying to mislead. No, they're honestly trying to be pious, but because they don't have the proper understanding and knowledge required, because true faith, true faith and true religion, they're you need you need to have the proper understanding before you can you know because if there's one faith in one church you have to have the proper understanding now if you don't have that understanding you know you're left basically to yourself to figure out and that's one of the errors of protestantism it basically left people to try to figure out on their own well how do i get to god how do i get closer to god how do, how do I do this? And basically because, and I'm talking in particular about Americans here, but because, you know, hatred against Catholicism. And the sad part is, is they hate the Vatican II church because they think it's Catholicism. They're so ignorant and misled that they can't even recognize that that's not a legitimate Catholic church. But I digress. Um, They're basically, you know, because they, they hate things Catholic, because they hate things Catholic, um, they won't even consider the fact and by the way, when I say hate things Catholic, I, I don't mean the ultra-fundamentalist chick, uh, Jack Chick uh, tract-handing-out type of hatred for Catholicism. I'm just, ta- I'm just saying they don't need to have that kind of hatred. If their parents were ultra-Protestant, and if they live in America, they're they're going to be they're 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 going to inherit the prejudices that come with being a Protestant in a Masonic country. It just that's the waters we swim in. Um, and once again, this is not this is not a criticism of individuals. You know, I. Protestants that are sincerely trying to get closer to God and they're doing it out of error, I fully, you know, um, I, I hate the error, but I understand they're not doing it out of malice, conscious malice, I should say, conscious malice. They're doing it out of ignorance. And the same thing goes with the Vatican II types. But... If you basically these to 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 a person like what I used to be uh, a total pagan hedonist, um, you know I used to think that my Baptist uh, stepfather who would work six days a week and then preach on Sunday to his congregation of 15 people, a really holy person. And it wasn't until I got a little, uh, God gave me the grace to understand some of the concepts I'm operating under now. Um, 
you know, up until that point, you know, if you would ask me, well, your stepdad, the Baptist pastor, you know, is he a holy dude? I would have said, absolutely. I would have said that my Calvinist uncle was a holy guy. But here's the thing. They had the appearance of holiness, but because of a mix of motives, because human, by the way, I got to get this out there. Human beings are more complicated than what our, the present regime wants to make us out to be. They want to force a cookie cutter, um, a cookie cutter solution to what they think the problems of the world are when human beings are actually complex and, um, complex creatures because we're all individuals. So that's why I'm always, I always stress that, you know, generalities, I'm not going to be presumptuous to guess a person's mindset if I don't know them intimately. And there's also the added human element, of course, that, um, a lot of people do things in private that you don't know about, which is why you should always be wary of hasty judgment because there's, there's the outside that people see. And then there's the inner part that only that person knows. Anyway, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too deep into that, but basically I was guilty of judging from appearances. And that's why St. Paul in verse 5 says, having an appearance. Basically, he's just, he's basically saying in an elegant way, um, on the surface, on the surface, on the surface, these people, you know, they, they seem pious. But for whatever reason, they're not, seeking the truth they're following themselves which um um i forget which verse it was but basically i think he says something like rebellious but yeah um these people you know for whatever reason they're 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 just going off the assumption that they're doing the right thing and they're never questioning their own motivation they they've never sat down and well why am i a baptist or why why am i a vatican II catholic you know um also too faith is a journey faith is a journey um and I pray that you guys will ask God for um, wisdom and discernment and do it in doing his will. Because when you get to a certain point in faith, you realize that God has been leading you along all along. Now, in my case, it I became, uh, I tried to follow Christ in tw- uh, 2001. When I say try, I mean, I had the intentions of following Jesus and I joined the Protestant church because I thought, you know, they were the ones that were the true church. And then, you know, it took me 20 years to get to the point of set of a contism. I've said this on a previous podcast. That's not me being inconsistent or, um, or flighty. That's a, that's an instance of me that I've been on a spiritual journey for the past 20 odd years. And by the way, you know, to some of you who may think, well, it took him 20 years. Obviously his God is asleep at the switch, or maybe he's just following what he thinks, you know, is God's, uh, God's will, but he's actually just following his own thoughts and processes. 
Now, for the first part, and once again, I'm going to hearken back to a previous episode. I know it was God's grace that has been moving me. It's been God's grace. And I also realized the fact that because it took me 20 years to get to this particular point, that not necessarily, it's not God's fault, it's my fault. But because God is God, he knew it would took 20 years before he even created me. He knew it took, and by the way, the journey doesn't end where I'm at now. The journey continues. And Lord willing, you know, if the world does, if this dumpster fire of a world doesn't blow up soon, you know, if I am blessed to reach 75 or 80, I, I hope to be in a different, uh, a more advanced spiritual condition than I am right now. Because right now, I'm just a newbie. I'm a newbie, but I thank God for his providence and his grace and his blessings because I've I've always had a respect for the truth as I've understood it. And I'm seeing things anyway. I, I don't want to get this isn't a sermon. <laughs> um where was I? Um oh the second part. Well, maybe I'm following my own inclinations. Now, I could see, once again, judging by surface appearances, how you would come to that conclusion. But if God is the author, and he is, of everything, time and space, cellular structures, DNA, all that stuff, then... If you read about divine providence, I've, I've recommended the book by Father uh, Jean Paul de Cassade. You will also know that you can do something against God's will. And by the way, he's not the only Catholic who's ever said this. There have been previous uh, saints and, and doctors of the church who've made the same point. Basically, you can follow your own inclinations and do wrong. But out of that wrong, not only is God going to bring good out of that, but he's also going to he's also going to turn it turn it in such a way that eventually, you know, unless you're totally obstinate and a reprobate, eventually you're going to come to the truth. So, basically, you know, and, and to anyone who's listened to more than one of my episodes, I know it seems like I'm hammering on divine providence. But, and, you know, to some people, that term itself, divine providence, if they do believe in human free will is going to set their teeth on edge because it, I'd heard of the book and I, I refused to touch it because it's smacked of uh, predestination. Well, a proper understanding of that doctrine is essential. What he's talking about is not what we consider predestination as modern day Americans. It's not. It's the cat, the true Catholic understanding of predestination, which is entirely different. The American conception of predestination is the Calvinistic double predestination, where God, even before you were even born, decided who would be holy and who, uh, I'm sorry, who would get to heaven and who would go to hell. These are two totally different conceptions. But what I want to, I, I need to, I need to, I, I know I tend to ramble a bit. Basically what I'm saying here is in order to recognize the truth and to be true to what the actual truth is, 
you actually have to have some sort, some sort of conception of truth. If you're a subjection, uh, subjectivist and you think, well, you know, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, you may not actually become acquainted with the actual truth unless, you know, God graces you for that to happen. Okay? So, basically, you know, there, there's a lot to uncover in that particular passage. My two biggest takeaways from that passage is, number one, look below the surface. Verse 5 makes it absolutely clear. They have the appearance of holiness. And if we're being brutally honest, the people that call themselves Christian, you know, the generalized Christian, they're guilty. I mean, if you know them on a personal level, they're guilty of one of those sins. Now, that isn't to say that they're not trying in their own um, dim way of trying to follow God, but because they don't have the proper teachings and attitude, they're ignorant. They don't know better. And just one last thing. One last, well, I, I, I may go a little farther, but this this whole one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy is the Vatican II types using the term Christian. Now, there's a reason I'm bringing this up. Prior to Vatican II, you would never catch a pious or devout Catholic referring to anyone other than a pious and devout Catholic as a Catholic. The Protestants, the, the sinners, you wouldn't call them Catholic. You wouldn't make a personal judgment, but you would say, you know, about your Protestant neighbor, nice guy, but you wouldn't say, oh yeah, he's a Christian just like I am. No. But what they've done is, is they've taken quotes from the saints and um, previous Catholic, true Catholic authors. And they've, they've, they've hijacked that. Well, I should, well, they've hijacked it. Uh, that's true. They've hijacked it and they've also manipulated it into the generalized Christianity that's a zeitgeist right now. Oh, everybody's a Christian. No. No, being a true Christian is an honor. It's, it's you know, we've, we've forgotten what honor is all about. And when I say honor, I'm not talking about the smack the dude in the face with your gloves in a, in a um, pistol duel at sundown. I'm talking about an honor where you're given a position of authority or a position, period, that you had no right to. You had no right to. You weren't worthy. But they gave you the honor of letting you do that. That's what being a Christian's all about. But it drives me nuts because, you know, I'm on social media. That's, that's how I try to do what little I'm doing. Um, my, my pathetic bit for uh, Jesus Christ and his holy mother. And I have enough of a memory and have been around long enough. And I'll give you the most, well, to Catholics, they'll understand if you're Protestant, you're not. But G.K. Chesterton in the 1920s wrote, the Catholic ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Well, the Vatican II types, they scratched out Catholic and put Christian because in their twisted theology, the road to heaven is wide. It's a four-lane superhighway. Anybody can get on there and get to where they need to go. 
There's um there's this old Simpsons joke where Ned Flanders dies and goes to heaven and he sees Hitler and one of his uncles who may have been a pervert. And he's like, man, this place is easier to get get into than uh, Arizona State. I guess that's a joke against Arizona State that they'll take anybody. But the, the, every time I think about how the Vatican Church, Vatican II, I'm sorry, it's not a church, it's a sect, how they've corrupted, corrupted the doctrine, the true Catholic doctrine. The true Catholic doctrine was sublime and it was literally, it was, they call it the church militant. They call it the church militant for a reason. And the church, the reason they called it the church militant was you were fighting on two fronts. Number one, you were fighting against your natural inclinations and desires, which were, uh, because we're fallen creatures, which were corrupt and unholy. And then the second thing you were fighting was the heirs and the heresies of whatever period you were living in at that time. Having been ex-military, um, this getting into the military, the military, you know, anybody passingly familiar with the military, they don't take the random crack addict off the street and say, here's your M16, buddy. Here's your uniform. Go out and kill whatever the uh, Masonic government tells you to kill. They have standards and they have codes of conduct. It's the same thing in the true Catholic church. You know, and I'm in general, I'm not a fan of the draft. But the draft was important in this reason, and I think that's why the Masons got rid of it, was because the majority of the people, you know, before uh, before 74 is when they ended the draft, had, had in one capacity or another served in the military. So at least they had a rudimentary understanding of how the military operates. Now in 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 secular in secular viewpoint that's kind of a useless knowledge but from a spiritual standpoint it's actually helpful to get you familiar familiar with you know the concept of serving God as being in his army. And you know, this, I, I've been called autistic. And in some respects, I can understand why people would say that about me. But I got to be honest, one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy is when I hear somebody who calls themselves a traditionalist, who calls themselves conservative, who doesn't even know the basics of how the military operates. I heard a particular YouTuber when I was into politics refer to a army officer who had made a public statement as an admiral. I mean, I do understand. I do understand that a lot of people are ignorant about the military. And maybe it's because he's a millennial and I'm an Xer that, you know, he he doesn't have, you know, that he could make such an elementary mistake. I think for the most part, and there'll be some Xers who disagree with me and that's fine. But for the most part, people in my generation understood that an admiral, an admiral was in the Navy and a general or a colonel or a major was in the army. I mean, we did have MASH growing up, people. So, but it just drives me nuts. You know, you're going to be telling people how they should be living their lives. Now, granted, it's purely in a secular sense, but still, 
you know, this this is part of the uh, modern day heresy, or not heresy, it's an error, that any Joe Blow should be allowed to run for office and tell other people how to lead their lives. Anybody with two eyes and a brainstem can tell you that is completely and utterly insane and ridiculous. You know, um, I wouldn't want this particular podcaster being my dog catcher, more or less my mayor, my state representative, my alderman, my uh, my senator, my my U.S. senator, or president. You know, it's funny too because when when uh, Obama called uh, a Navy corpsman, he called him a corpsman. You know. The 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 neocons had a good laugh at. Oh, he doesn't even know it's Corbin. It's, it's he called it Corpsman. I bet half these clowns that were making fun of Obama have no idea or conception what the military, you know, how it operates or whatever. And that's fine. I don't expect them to. But if you're every bit as so um, ignorant as Obama when it comes to military matters. Here's a bit of advice. Keep your freaking mouth shut. I mean, that's good advice in general. If you don't know what you're talking about, be quiet. Don't comment unless you're asked. And if you are asked, have enough humility to say, well, I'm really not versed in this subject, so maybe I shouldn't comment. Just a thought. Anyway, guys, um, I, I realized I went far and wide with this, with this devotion. But the bottom line is what 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 this what this passage of scripture is don't look at the surface and search for true truth search for true truth search um look to find the one true church okay if you're doing it with an honest and sincere heart, I'm speaking from a, uh, experience. God will lead you there. You might take a few wrong turns or whatever. If if you're sincere, have a sincere desire to find the true tr- truth and the true church, he will lead you there. Anyway, guys, I um once again, I know you didn't have to listen, and especially if you're at this point, you didn't have to give me your time. I appreciate the fact that you listened and you gave me the time. And I also want to say that, um, oh shoot, my mind just went blank. Um, I appreciate your time and, um, I just, I'm just going to close. Um, thank you for listening. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for everybody. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.